0: Welcome to It's All Political, the San Francisco Chronicle's political podcast. I'm Joe Garifoli, the Chronicle's senior political writer, and today our guest is California Secretary of State Alex Padilla. Ballots are being mailed out to every registered California voter right now, so wanted to talk to the person who has one of the hardest jobs in politics right now, running the election system in California. We run through all of the nightmare situations that he's preparing for here cyber attacks, misinformation, ransomware, and oh yeah, he's trying to make sure that people can cast ballots safely during a pandemic. Padilla also leads a national organization of secretaries of state, so he'll talk about potential problems going on elsewhere. Padilla's a smart guy, he's an MIT grad, and he always projects a measure of calm when he's talking about things that have many people reaching for an antacids. Nevertheless, you might want to pour a glass of your favorite beverage before listening to this my conversation with alex padilla all right secretary of state uh, alex padilla from your office in los angeles to my home in oakland welcome back to it's all political (laughs)
1: <laughs> thanks for having me back and uh, you know it's the it's the season uh, general election technically five weeks away, but uh, we're starting to call Tuesday, November third as simply the last date of vote because of all the early voting options
0: all right well, we're gonna save some time at the end for I know you have a lot of sort of uh, news you can use uh, things to talk about and and uh, and we'll we'll do that at the end and i I have to have start with one disclaimer. There's, uh, I rarely set limitations on what guests can talk about, but uh, I will permit no gloating about the Lakers or the Dodgers on this
1: podcast. <laughs> fair enough. Fair I, enough. Will, I will.
0: I will end the podcast if I hear any gloating.
1: Hey, yeah, well, um, California as a whole is pretty well represented in the MLB playoffs, so uh, we'll, that's leave right. it we'll see that.
0: you. In the, we'll see you in the World Series. <laughs> um, so, but from a let's, I know we're going to say, the many gritty until the end, but. Um, Let's make one thing clear here for the listeners is that uh, voting in California, we will not have the ballots counted on election night. There will be votes uh, there will be ballots to be counted uh, you know for weeks to come. how when do you think that they will be counted by? What's a realistic expectation?
1: Yeah, I think it'll take a few weeks after the election to finish counting ballots and all for good reason, you know and it's nothing new in California frankly uh, with uh The popularity of vote-by-mail over several years, Uh, you know, most recently the March primary, more than 70% of ballots cast were vote-by-mail ballots. Uh, So uh, that's great in terms of access uh, to democracy for all eligible voters, but it does uh, mean a little bit more work on the back end. The signature verification, if nothing else, to make sure that uh, ballots are properly processed and, and counted and so, uh, as is tradition in California, come election night, we have an okay sense for how most contests will turn out, but for close contests and for final results, uh, it does take a matter of weeks between ballot processing, uh, ballots that uh, aren't even in hand quite yet uh, on election night, but were mailed off in time by the voter, of course, the post-election audits, because we wanna ensure both the accuracy and the integrity of the results. And so, uh, a few weeks after election day is when we'll get the final numbers, I think the difference this year is that there's so many other states that have significantly ramped up vote by mail for the first time uh, in, in response to the pandemic. But we're talking critical states like, you know, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Ohio, much more consequential in the outcome of the presidential contest. I think that's what has folks a little unnerved. Uh, there's a likelihood that uh, the evening of Tuesday, November 3rd comes and goes, and uh, we don't have an official winner declared for who will be the next president of the United States. And if that happens, Joe, it's, it's not a moment to panic. It's a moment to be patient, right? It's the process at work. It's a transparent process. Uh, my colleagues across the country, both sides of the aisle, will tell you we'd rather get it right than get it fast. But uh, be wary of anybody claiming victory in any contest when there's still a ton of votes to be counted.
0: Okay, I wanna to get to that in a second because you uh, you have, wear another hat that's the head of the Democratic Association of Secretaries of State. So you have a national perspective too. Let's just finish up on California for a second. As you said, the state sends a ballots to every registered voter. Now some estimates I've heard that, uh, in fact, Willie Brown in our paper the other day said that 10% of uh, California's 20 million registered voters aren't where the state thinks they are. You You alluded to some of the safeguards in place. How do we know that, you know, the people who are, that these ballots are being filled out by the people who they're attended for. What are the, talk about some of the safeguards in place.
1: Sure. And, and let's kind of break down the process into the several steps that there are, right? So uh, unlike uh, uh, claims that you may be hearing about, California is only sending ballots to active registered voters in advance of this November's election, uh, and it's it's very much good news that we have record registration yet again, more than 21 million voters on the rolls, and just to give you a snapshot on how uh, far we've come on the accuracy of our voter rolls, when I was uh, first sworn in as Secretary of State, there was about 17.7 million voters on the rolls, so uh, those uh, the three and a half million that we're talking about since then, those are relatively new Uh, registrants. And so we have pretty recent uh, information for them. Uh, The success of automatic voter registration through the DMV, while most people focus on the uh, uh, more than 2 million people that have registered to vote in the process, there's also another 5 million plus that uh, that were previously registered and had a chance to update their registration information. And another 5 million plus that came through said, nope, I'm already registered, nothing to update here, no changes. So a good chunk of the registered voters on file, we've had a relatively recent opportunity to make sure their information is up to date and correct. And of course, we're promoting verify your registration status uh, between now and the election. Uh, Folks can go to vote.ca.gov, confirm their registration is up to date and current So when we mail ballots, we're mailing them to a current address. So that's at the front end. On the back end, right? even if a a ballot uh, was sent out, it's not like somebody else can cast it for you. Uh, There's a number of uh, security measures built into vote-by-mail, including the signature verification. When vote-by-mail ballots return to the county office, the very first thing county officials do is compare the signature on that envelope with the signature on file as part of your voter registration record, you know, to confirm the identity of the voter. Uh, If the voter does not sign the envelope uh, or the signatures do not match, the county will attempt to contact the voter. By law, they have to attempt to contact the voter to cure any signature issue. Of course, if the voter says, hey, that wasn't me, we have something to look into. Uh, But that's extremely, extremely rare. It's usually, you know, somebody forgot to sign the envelope or their signature might have changed over time. I know mine has. Yeah, mine has too, yes. <laughs>
0: um, the, now, the other thing you get, uh, California in general, gets criticized from by Cal- even California Republicans is, is the, legal, the, the legal practice of quote-unquote ballot harvesting, which is someone uh, who is not you can, can take your ballot and, and put it in the Dropbox or mail it for you. What are your safeguards to uh, prevent a nefarious activity? Uh, let's say I go and I'm, and I'm in the uh, I go canvassing in a Republican neighborhood, and, uh, and then I collect ballots, and I said, don't worry, I'll, I'll drop that on the, in the mailbox for you, and then I uh, uh, toss them in the garbage can. What are the safeguards in place now? And I, I think some of this is, uh, is the track and trace we have going to.
1: Okay, I'm not sure what the Republicans uh, want you to believe when they use the term ballot harvesting, but here's what we do in California. We empower the voter to decide when and how to return their ballot, even if that includes uh, asking somebody for assistance in returning the ballot for them. you know, Maybe it's a, a family member in the same household, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a coworker. We trust the voter to decide for themselves. Uh, and even then, frankly, it's a very small number that do that because of so many options voters have to return the ballot right uh, for this november again every active registered voter will receive a ballot by mail and have multiple options for how to return their ballot either by mail and california is so committed return postage is prepaid so voters don't even need to scramble for stamps uh, we have yes. the postmark plus policy right when you mail it back as long as your ballot is postmarked on or before election day uh you'll have up to 17 days after the election for the ballot to arrive and still be counted so we've uh, plant against any unforeseen delays in the Postal Service. Uh, But for folks who uh, may not be as comfortable mailing it back, they have the option of uh, delivering it to any ballot drop box in their county over the course of weeks leading up to the election, uh, or to drop it off in person at any in-person voting location either on or before Election Day. And yes, if after all that somebody decides they uh, prefer uh, to enlist uh, somebody they know and trust to return the ballot for them, that is their Right in California and, and the person returning the ballot for them also has assigned the envelope so we do have a little bit of a you know chain of custody documentation there. And for ultimate public confidence in vote by mail at large, uh, we're encouraging people to sign up for Where's My Ballot. Uh, All voters in California can sign up to receive alerts by email, by text message, or by automated phone call on the status of their ballots through the, the delivery process, both on its way to the voter, on its way back to the county. Imagine, Joe, getting an alert that your ballot was received. And the day your ballot I was am. counted. So great for uh, public confidence and uh, obviously great for security.
0: I love that. I encourage everybody to do that. Let's look nationally. We started to talk about this. You are a leader, a, a national group called the Democratic Association of Secretaries of State. So you have a, a very much a national perspective here. You've been a lead, leader nationally on these issues. The Brookings Institute has been uh, grading the states on their preparedness for handling ballots during uh, a COVID times. California, you'll be happy to know, received an A. So we'll, 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 we'll give you a gold star. But the concern is what you learned, alluded to earlier, these are battleground states like Wisconsin, Georgia, and Florida received C's. What is your concern about the ability of, uh, some of some of these states to be able to handle things?
1: Well, there's, uh, I guess you can argue there's both some upsides and some downsides for uh, the the delegation in the U.S. Constitution of elections to states. Uh, So it's resulted in every state does things a little bit differently. I think by and large, you know, in in the past, it was very much a, a, you know, voter rights, voter enfranchisement versus voter suppression debate. Uh, This year, it's all through the lens of COVID-19. Right. What are we doing in response to COVID uh, to afford voters safe or safer options for being able to cast their ballot and protect their health? You know, we saw examples of what not to do. During the primaries, look at, remember Wisconsin, remember the state of Georgia. Uh, those should be warnings, not previews of what to expect in November. And I think most states uh, with secretaries, both Democrat and Republican, have doing, been doing those very things, uh, right? Expanding vote by mail eligibility and capacity uh, and infrastructure, uh, no safer way to vote and protect your health and from the comfort and safety of your own home. But we're also maintaining the in-person options for people who need it. And I think most states are, uh, uh, to different extent, following that playbook. You know, we get into a, a little bit of uh, differences in terms of uh, the, the return policy. You know, some states, it has to be in hand uh, at the elections office come election night when the polls close. Other states have that postmark plus Three policy. I think Michigan now has postmark plus 14. California has postmark plus 17. So you do have those distinctions. I think if there's one thing that uh, concerns me is uh, frankly, the uh, election misinformation and disinformation coming from sources, sadly, both foreign and domestic, right? Voters deserve accurate official information on how to register, how to participate. You know, our free and fair elections are the bedrock of our democracy. And anybody who's trying to convince you that it is not safe uh, or limit your options for how to participate, uh, that's a disservice, frankly, to uh, to our democracy.
0: Well, many uh, Democrats in the last week were freaked out by this article in The Atlantic that spelled out a nightmare scenario. Did you get a chance to read that article? Uh, uh,
1: I did review that. I think it does a pretty good job of summarizing what we've been suspecting all along.
0: Yeah. And, and so what, first of all, it's premised on um, President Trump for months and months errantly saying that uh, voting by mail is rampant with fraud. The, the, this Atlantic article lays out a scenario where the Trump campaign is going to ask Republican leaders in battleground states, you know, where, there, where, there is, where they fear that there might be fraud, to bypass the popular vote and select their own electors to the Electoral College. Is is this a, a legitimate scenario, Mr. Secretary, or is Or is this, to use a phrase that I recently learned quote-unquote, doom porn. (laughs) (laughs) Look at, uh, you
1: know, sadly.
0: But is this legit? Is this, could this really happen or is this exaggerated?
1: Look, if you would have asked me this four years ago, I would have said, you know, no way. This is just too far-fetched. But sadly, look at what our nation has been through for the last four years. Just when you think, you know, things can't get any crazier out there, something happens or there's some allegation or there's some tweet, you know, or there's some conspiracy theory being amplified, you know, that leads us scratching our head. And and elections, unfortunately, are not immune. If the number uh, and types of litigation before election day have been any indicator, right? The, uh, Trump, the Trump campaign, the Republican Party made it abundantly clear they have more than a $20 million fund challenging changes to policy or law that are making it uh, safer uh, for voters to vote. Uh, you know, by the way, they haven't been very successful. Uh, but it seems to me that that's a warm-up act. If, if there's close elections in very consequential states, uh, I think both, everybody on both sides of the aisle fully expect uh, a litigation war. In the days and weeks after the election, it's been uh, called Bush vigor on steroids. Uh, and so, uh, you know, if the election's not that close, then uh, I think maybe we can avoid that scenario. Uh, only in places where the election is that close, I do think uh, there's there's going to be a flurry of, uh, of lawsuits. We should fully expect that. Uh, again, if if the race is that close trust the process, don't feed into the misinformation uh, and the conspiracy conspiracy theories out there. Uh, but uh, uh, again, if, if the outcome of litigation has been any indicator, I think the, the judiciary branch uh, will uh, uh, act very reasonably and uh, let the, the true winner in each state be determined and carry the day.
0: You sound like you're confident that that's a little bit, that one that, well, that scenario in the Atlantic article uh, could happen, it's very unlikely
1: to. Uh, like, and anything is possible, certainly under uh, the Trump administration, but uh, it's not too likely. But got to hope for the best and prepare for the worst.
0: We'll be back with more of my conversation with Alex Padilla. And now, here's more of my conversation with California Secretary of State Alex Padilla. Here's a little bit more uh, uh, doom porn for you. That is, uh, that is I know you're going to use this term later today. So I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just. Just not with my kids. It, not with your kids. No, no, please, with adults only. Um, the uh, New York Times reporting today that there's a Texas company that sells software to cities uh, that, uh, that use it to display results on election nights was hit by ransomware. And ransomware, for our listeners, is when cyber hackers take your data or a city's data or a county's data. And make it inaccessible unless until the victim pays the ransom, usually in like cryptocurrency. So, uh, have we had any of these ransomware attacks in, in California? And how concerned about uh, how concerned about it are you here?
1: Right. Uh, look, have there been efforts uh, towards that end in California? Undoubtedly. Uh, had there been successful attempts, is the question, and at least in the elections world, uh, we have not. Right, going back to the 2016 election, when we first started hearing, uh, you know, chatter about uh, cyber threats to our elections, uh, foreign interference in a number of ways, uh, you know, we we came up to speed real quick. There, there was this, uh, you know, quick marriage between elections officials across the country uh, and intelligence, the intelligence community at the federal level, and so in California, anyway. We've done uh, pretty much everything we could hope to do to ensure the integrity of our elections infrastructure from you know, working with the legislature and the governor to fund upgrade or replacement of older voting systems to newer systems that meet higher uh, security standards. Uh, Uh, ongoing uh, cybersecurity training for state and local elections office staff, right? You can have the best infrastructure in place, you know, from hardware to firewalls and encryption technology, but if you have a staff that are, you know, clicking on malicious links, uh, because, uh, you know, of, of some phishing attempt, that just undermines the whole system. So ongoing training, retraining, simulation exercises. And I think the biggest piece here is general public awareness. Right. Don't fall for everything you see uh, in, in your Twitter feed or, or on Facebook. You know, we've got to have some uh, common sense around what is or isn't real information. And I think in totality, California's uh, defense posture is, uh, is pretty strong, but uh, we can't take anything for granted. You know, we've got to stay on our toes and stay one step ahead of the, of the bad folks. What,
0: what keeps you up at night? What is your nightmare scenario on election night and, and, the, and the days afterwards, those you know, 17 days, those, those, those weeks afterwards? What, is your, what keeps you up at
1: night? Yeah, again, not to take anything for granted, we have a long checklist that we run through every single day. Uh, but if it's the one biggest source of, of grief for me, it's uh, the potential damage done by election misinformation and disinformation. So, you know, part of our efforts for between now and November 3rd is reminding the public for official, reliable information about the election and how to participate, whether it's registering or voting options, go to the official source, your county elections office or the California Secretary of State. We have a lot of tools and resources. We've made it easy this time, all in one location vote.ca.gov. Whether it's registering to vote, verifying your registration status, signing up for where's my ballot, finding your polling place when the time comes, cybersecurity information, even to sign up as a poll worker, you know we're making a pitch for additional poll workers this November.
0: Will we have enough? By the way, you you and LeBron James are making this pitch. <laughs> uh, what 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 uh, will we have enough? Uh,
1: look, I think we're on track to have enough, but you can never have too many. And so, uh, even though we're on track, we, we're uh, still inviting people who are healthy, willing, and able to work as poll workers this november to sign up go to vote.ca.gov click on poll worker and uh, we'll connect you with the county to get to you new know, poll workers the training they need the ppe they need to stay safe uh, and compensation poll workers do earn a stipend for their service you can get a couple hundred bucks for that correct uh it depends on the county it's usually a, about a hundred dollars a day give or takes many many counties have a bonus for bilingual poll workers so so right. there you go
0: uh, i want to talk to you about um, consumer watchdog came out the other day and they they're proposing they report about to to make it easier they say to collect signatures for ballot measures right and they want to allow online signatures to be valid uh, to collect the uh, you know instead of someone standing instead of in front of safeway with a clipboard you know that that costs 3 million dollars at least in most cases to get uh, to get gather enough signatures to get it on the ballot they say why should uh, online signatures not count? Right now, the courts say they're not valid for valid uh, for initiative. What do you think about this? Should that happen? Should, we, should that be legit?
1: So, I mean, I, I think I'm definitely supportive of the concept. It was uh, uh, proposed, I don't know if it was the first time, but I remember when I was in the Senate, Senator Mark Leno had a similar uh, proposal, um, you know, and for obvious reasons, questions about security uh, and protecting the integrity of the uh, petition gathering process you know how do you know signatures are legitimate is there a new way to you know write some sort of code uh, that uh, right. uh, undermines the system and all of a sudden there's tons of measures that are qualifying for the ballots uh, and we're not sure about whether they were uh, uh, legitimately collected or not so I think until uh, we can address those uh, security concerns uh, we shouldn't allow it uh, I don't hear too many people complaining that the ballot isn't long enough <laughs> in 2020 or 2018 <laughs> or 2016 yeah. no, uh, but, no, but, no one is yeah all right but but again as as with everything else, it's now also viewed through the lens of COVID. And if we want to keep uh, petition gatherers and voters uh, safe from a public health perspective and uh, have this uh, access to the initiative or even the referendum process uh, as accessible as possible, then it's something worth looking at. But uh, again, just like we can't vote online for obvious reasons, you know, elections are a little bit unique. Our democracy is a little unique to, um, you know, paying a parking ticket online or, uh, you know, ordering yeah. from, uh, you know, Postmates or DoorDash uh, online. Yeah.
0: We, we talked earlier, a couple minutes ago about um, misinformation and such. What are, are you happy with how the social media companies have been policing what's been online and could they do more and should they do more? And what should they do?
1: Wow, that's how much time do we have here? Because <laughs> that's a, that's, a, that's a long one, and maybe that's a, that's a whole yeah. episode in and of itself. Look, we'll I, have I do to appreciate uh, the various social media companies uh, for the steps that they have taken, uh, but uh, clearly there is a lot more to do. Uh, I think consistency number one, and you know, maybe not across platforms—that'd be ideal. But at least within platforms, consistency for how they apply their guidelines or restrictions uh, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, claims of, uh, you know, what, what's happening or what's not happening in the elections space. Uh, and I, I think here's the biggest one is really the distinction between advertising uh, and actual uh you know, content. Uh, it's one thing to say we're going to shut down, you know, political advertising or, or uh, put limits on it. Uh, but if the same people, instead of for paying advertising, are still posting, tweeting, uh, misleading information, and working their way uh, to manipulate that platform to amplify it, it, has the same effect as paid advertisement. So, um, you know, it, we have a great foundation, at least in California, for monitoring misinformation online getting misleading posts, tweets uh, to uh, uh, be quickly reviewed by Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, et cetera, uh, and have them respond pretty promptly uh, when it's uh, clearly erroneous and misleading. So uh, we have a good foundation to work on. That's one of the other uh, tools at vote.ca.gov. Click on uh, uh, election cybersecurity, and you can report anything suspicious for our review, and uh, we'll try to get it addressed uh, as quickly as possible.
0: I want to ask you a couple of quick uh, national political questions. You've been on the campaign trail as well for for uh, Joe Biden and and your uh, and your friend Kamala Harris. Um, Biden has been perf- underperforming with Latino voters uh, in some areas, in particular in Florida. Why is that, and and what can he do about it in the next? 35 days.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's, it's a combination. There's not one, you know, single reason. Uh, I think at the risk of overgeneralizing, you know, I've seen Latino uh, voters sort of make up their mind a little bit later than others uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, ballot measures or candidates at different levels of government. Uh, I also think it's a reflection of, look, the Latino community uh, is not a monolith. We're, we're very diverse. You know, what makes up the Latino community in uh, the Bay Area, for example. Uh, is a little different than los angeles and that's within the same state let alone chicago new york dallas or miami uh so is it more central american more mexican american more cuban american more you know or more of a mix of all of the above i think that plays out in uh, poll after poll and and frankly how voters uh cast their ballots in every election so that that's uh, you know, the, the beauty of our country, we embrace our diversity, uh, not just uh, culturally and socially. Uh, it means a little bit more work sometimes to embrace that diversity from a, a political strategy and outreach standpoint, uh, just as it is in uh, uh, in building the economy right in, in some ways there's a parallel discussion to be had on the proposition sixteen on this November 's ballot in california and should yes we...
0: also which is in trouble. this is the one that would uh, reverse uh... Uh, informative action requirements in in California and, and
1: it, it, so if we go the contracting was, and yeah. so, so we go back to the polling in 1996 the latino community was uh, not very reliable in early polls but ended up being the voting block that m- voted against prop 209 at the highest rate so uh, you know we're still five weeks out only a couple before people are voting by mail. So expect uh, the campaigns, whether it's the presidential, whether it's Prop 16 or anything else, uh, to begin in full force to educate and persuade voters uh, and we'll see the results on election day. Ha-
0: has Biden done enough to outreach to Latino voters?
1: Look, I think he's done a, a, a big amount. Uh, is it ever gonna be enough? It depends on who you ask, but uh, you know, I guess we'll know on election day, how did states like, not just California and Texas and Florida do, but states like Arizona, and Colorado and you know, New York and uh, even- Georgia. Uh, G- Georgia, Virginia, Maryland, North Carolina, Latino communities everywhere these days and uh, could be very consequential in some of the closest uh, states. If Biden were to win, Kamala
0: Harris would become the vice president. There would be an opening here in California as they, for a Senate, <laughs> for a Senate seat. And uh, Governor Newsom would be able to choose whomever he wanted to, to fill that, the rest of Kamala Harris's term. Your name is at the top of many lists, near the top of many, including one that I put out. Um, you and the governor share close ties, you're, you're personal friends, uh, you're also, you know, your political people are, are tight. Uh, have you or your people contacted him or his people and said, hey, you know, there's an opening, I'm into it.
1: Uh, look, here, here's the reality, you know, am I flattered to be in that conversation and on those lists? Absolutely. Right. I love public service, been doing it for many years. Uh, I think I'm, uh, uh, I'm, I'm getting pretty good at it. Uh, but if the last 20 minutes are any indicator, we are laser focused on this November's election. The stakes are just too huge, not just politically for all the issues that we care about in the country as citizens and as voters, uh, but particularly as a Secretary of State for you know California, right? The largest electorate, the most diverse electorate of any state in the nation, and even though we're not a, a presidential battleground state per se, as we saw in uh, 2018. Uh, a number of house seats that are close and very consequential in determining the majority in the House of Representatives. So, you know, I oversee elections administration as if we are the ultimate battleground state, right? We're the big enchilada if anybody wanted to wreak havoc in American democracy uh, and a a number of uh, down-ballot opportunities for that mischief. So, you know, we got to be on our toes. we got to be 100% vigilant and uh, you know, come November fourth, or, or or maybe come Thanksgiving, with final final results. You know, we uh, we we can see what the landscape looks like at that point.
0: Okay, but so you have not contacted him or to talk about that yet.
1: So look between COVID, between wildfires, uh, for the governor. Uh, you know, but he's got a deadline this Wednesday for signing or vetoing bills that pass through the legislature. You know, my focus on elections. Uh, we've been a little too busy right now. All right.
0: Last I uh, said I'd give you a couple minutes to just any any other uh, you know nuts and bolts things for voters what they should do you you've you've you've, uh, you've uh, very deftly inserted <laughs> them throughout our conversation you are just so on message today uh, what uh, anything else we should know voters should know about security any other websites you want to give out or. Or things they should know
1: yeah no absolutely look you know despite what you hear from from other sources you can trust vote by mail it is safe it is secure uh, and it is convenient right it's the ballot comes to your home and, and you can mail it back without having to scramble for stamps uh, but I think the the big two messages I'll leave you with is number one uh, let's get ready. Uh, If you're not registered to vote, the question is, what are you waiting for? Uh, We make it easy, go to vote.ca.gov. It takes a couple of minutes, you can do it online. Uh, If you're already registered to vote, it's always a good idea to verify your registration status. Again, go to vote.ca.gov, call up your voter registration record, make sure that your address is up to date and current, so we send you your vote by mail ballot to your current address. And if you're willing, share an email address with us. We now have the ability to email every voter in California, Directly, that we have an email address for. So we can send you the latest updates or or, or changes if necessary between now and November 3rd. And sign up for Where's My Ballot? Uh, Regardless of when or how you vote, that alert uh, confirming that your ballot was received and counted uh, is great for peace of mind. So those are the three things you can do to get ready today. Uh, The second last message here is uh, uh, make a plan. How will you choose to vote? By mail? or in person, Uh, whichever it is, do it early. Don't wait for the last day. Uh, It's your legal right to have your ballot postmarked on election day, if you so choose, or to show up at 7.30, 7.45 on election night and vote in person. But uh, the more people we can encourage to vote early, whether it is by mail or in person, uh, we're hoping to keep the lines shorter, the crowd sizes smaller, uh, and the environment safer on election day. So uh, make a plan uh, and vote early.
0: And will you commit here today to wearing an A's cap in public after they defeat the Dodgers in the World Series?
1: <laughs> uh, and, and, and possibly have to take down the Curt Gibson poster? I don't know, that's a lot yeah. to ask.
0: <laughs> oh, that hurts, that hurts. <laughs> all right. Alex Padilla, thank you for being back on It's All Political. Uh, good luck over the next few weeks. Uh, you have uh, one of the hardest jobs in show business, so uh, good luck to you and
1: to all of us. Thank you, Joe, stay safe. Keep your masks on, everybody.
0: I'd like to thank you all for listening and hope that you and your families are safe and healthy. I'd like to thank secretary of state Alex Padilla for being here today. I'd like to thank Taya Francesca Price for producing this episode and a shout out to our fabulous theme music, by the way, which is cattle call. And it's written by Randy Clark and performed by Randy Clark and Crow song. And remember, no matter what kind of doom porn you prefer, it's all political.